this is Angela Pretum with my new single, Hidden Wings, available on Apple Music and Spotify, or click the link in the show notes. Hi, everyone. It's the Shagilola Salami Show, and I'm Shagilola Salami. The Shagilola Salami Show is a podcast show set in a virtual cafe. It's about books and publishing. Um, I chat with the guests, you know, over virtual coffee, virtual hot chocolate, which is my favorite. Um, and at the end of the day, um, it's hoped that the listener, you, will either be inspired, motivated, learn something new, but most importantly, you'll get to discover a new book. Um, I hope you find the episode entertaining, and I'm hoping we'll have someone to teach you something new, too. Um, so who have I got here with me today? Hello, I am Lisa Sabaniak, certified NLP practitioner, speaker, author, and founder of Life Like You Mean It. I empower women to overcome their limitations to build the life that they deserve. And over the last three years in building my business, I've been featured on East London Radio, in numerous online magazines, podcasts such as yours, and speaking engagements. And that's because on top of all of my credentials, I'm also a survivor of child abuse. And so that is what my book is about Survivor to Warrior. Nice, nice. Um, Okay, so first of all, it is a virtual cafe. Um, What would you like to drink? You know, normally I would say a chai latte, and that's what I said last time. Hmm. But I think I'm going to go with a hot chocolate. I like that. With yes. some extra whipped cream. Yes. Let's do it. Yes. Put some marshmallows on top of that too. Even perfect. <laughs> Even perfect. <laughs> anything else to go with it? No, I'm good. I think that'll be a sugar overload. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's fine because I've got some homemade cookies or home baked cookies, right? Which I think you would really oh, Yeah, home baked. Yes. So you can have yours virtually. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, cool. So whilst the virtual drink, hot chocolate and the virtual cookies are sorting themselves out, two questions. One, what is NLP? Oh, yes. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it essentially is a bunch of different types of techniques like psychotherapy, hypnotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, lots of different um, types of work, um, particularly with the unconscious mind that um, the founders of NLP have kind of taken the best parts out of these different types of modalities and put them all together to, to form this concept. So it's nothing new. It's just taking some of the, the best techniques from others and putting it together. So it's a lot about the language that we use unconsciously, like when we talk about how we never succeed at anything or, you know, I'm not good enough or uh, I'm never uh, as good as they are, or, like language tips like that, that start to tip you off on, well, who are you comparing yourself to? Have you, have you put yourself up against something that doesn't actually exist? Can we narrow that down a little bit and, and discover that you actually are quite comparable, quite good enough compared to, to other people, right? And get you thinking on different kinds of terms. Uh, but essentially, the work that I do with NLP is all about overcoming limitations, looking at those beliefs that you've got about yourself and the world and your place in it, and figuring out how that determines your behavior and how we can change that. 
Yes. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. And then you said you created a program. Remind me, what was that program again? Oh, yeah. So I've got a uh, Survivor to Warrior program, which is a, a coaching program for survivors of abuse and trauma. And, um, and that's a, a very specific program that uh, is obviously tailored for people that have endured things like that. But then I also do individual NLP sessions, and that can be put together as a program as well. So you don't have to have suffered from some sort of abuse or trauma in order to, to benefit from something like NLP. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's, that's, that's quite interesting. So now what was the latest book? Sorry, I'm just asking questions because I'm trying to put it all together in my head. So NLP, you know, survivor to warrior. And now, so what was your latest book again? Yes. So the latest book is survivor to warrior. You can change your life. And surprisingly, I actually completed writing this before I started my NLP training. So I don't specifically discuss NLP tactics in the book. However, the book is all about overcoming your limitations and your belief systems. And that's also what NLP deals with. So it's, it's, it's quite fitting that I found my way eventually towards NLP and have fitted it into my practice. Okay, cool. That sounds, that quite, sounds quite interesting. Um, how long did it take you to write your latest book? Well, you know, if you're talking about big picture over 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> if you're talking small picture, three months. <laughs> okay. Let's go with the small picture. How, how did you do that? How many, yeah. how many pages are your book? Because sometimes I don't like writing adult books because they just take forever. Yes. Um, well, it is a, I mean, it's a, it's a nice book. It's a nice, a reasonable size book, but it's only 200 pages. So Whoa. it's not, yeah, it's, it's like a small, compact little hand guide. Um, 200 pages, that's small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 200 printed pages in a book. Yeah. Yeah, but that's still, that's quite a lot. At, at 250 pages per book on average. Mm-hmm by 200 250 by 200 that's like 50,000 words right <laughs> and yeah, that's including exactly. first draft second draft editing feedback you know redoing stuff yeah exactly exactly it's a it's a lot isn't it and you did all of that to get it completed in three months well, I did the writing part in three months and then with the help of the publisher and, and using um, their editor and all of that, that took another, oh, let's see. I think I got my final draft to her in November and I had started writing in August and then we finished the edits in February. And then from there, it's just been all the behind the scenes stuff with the publisher. Oh, Wow. Yeah. How did you get your publisher? Because most people these days tend to self-publish. Yeah, well, I've got a, a really amazing publisher that basically um, mentors you and coaches you through essentially the self-publishing program, except it's, it's, it is a publishing company that she actually has. It's called Conscious Dreams Publishing. So um, she put together the whole team. She's found the artist. She's found the graphic designer, right? She's found the typesetter. She's, you know, done all of that. Um, and then she guides me towards setting up the Kindle account and, you know, the Ingram Sparks account and those types of things. And then she does all of the behind the scenes work with that. So it's kind of a little bit of self-publishing and a little bit of 
sending it all to the publisher. Right. Okay. So she's kind of like, like a little coach to sort of help you out and virtual assistant to do a lot of stuff on your behalf as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's basically a, a package that you purchase. And so now that my book is out for, well, we'll be out for sale um, in July, then she's been paid the amount that, you know, we had agreed upon. And so now as sales come in, I don't owe anything to a publisher, which is, is quite cool. Yes. No, that's, that's, that's quite good. Because I think most of the times when people hear a publisher, they always assume that it means getting paid, you know, a nice, nice sum upfront. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So this is a different, okay, no, that's, that's quite interesting. Uh, Cause I always sort of like to learn how people do their self-publishing. Um, and so how did you find this lady? So I found her, I believe it was through LinkedIn and it was just one of those, you know, I really believe in fate and kismet and all of that. And and it was one of those where I just kind of put it out there and and said in a random conversation with my husband, I think I really need to find somebody that can help me figure out this whole publishing thing. Like I need to do my research, figure Mm -hmm. out what's the best option, self-publishing or trying to find a publisher and um, next thing you know, I had a message in my inbox from, from Daniela from Conscious Dreams Publishing. Just we had happened to be a random new connection and she was sending off um, just a, you know, hi, nice to meet you. This is what I do. And let me know if you've got any questions. It's like, uh, yeah, I've got loads of questions, actually. <laughs> oh, cool. That, that really yeah. worked. So this is the first time I'm actually hearing about... Um, LinkedIn working because I only recently joined LinkedIn myself um, mm-hmm. for several months, several whatever time interval. I used to get a lot of requests asking me to join LinkedIn and I never really saw the importance of doing it. And then one yeah. day I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and just do this. Maybe something interesting will come out of it for me. So I'm still waiting to get my big break from, from LinkedIn, <laughs> but I'm pleased it's worked for you. Yeah, I find, um, you know, social media sites are you know they can be real hit or miss like uh, I find LinkedIn has been really good for the book publisher part and then I, I found my way to another podcast thanks to you on LinkedIn and and um, connecting me with Wayne Clark um, so there's been a couple of really wonderful things that have happened on LinkedIn but for the most part it's not my most successful social media site at all <laughs> yeah. so which one's been most uh, which one would have you found more success with I have the most um, engagement, I would say, with Instagram, Um, but Pinterest has a a really strong following on Pinterest now. So I've got, um, uh, you know, how Pinterest, I don't know if you're on Pinterest or not, but it it shows you how many recently as well. Yeah. So it shows you how many unique viewers you have. And every time I go in and change the quality of my content, my viewership goes down and then it starts to build back up. And so I know that the unique views that I'm getting are going to be very specific to to my niche rather than when before, when I was posting everything, you know, if I thought there was a cute hairstyle and I posted that has nothing to do with my business. So I ended up with a lot of followers that, you know, had nothing to do with with my business and now I'm kind of narrowing down my niche and I'm seeing a lot of return on investment with my time with Pinterest for sure. Oh right well I guess I'm gonna have to learn some things from you as from you as well because literally um one of the when I started you know the social media of choice for me which I love completely um has been Twitter 
Um, but then also sometimes I do go on Reddit and I do go on Quora because I find that I get, you know, some returns, you know, in terms of engagement and learning new stuff and engaging with others, you know, on both Reddit and Quora. Reddit is a bit brutal. They're very brutal on, on, on Reddit, but once you, can, once you can sort of get through that, you know, it's, it's quite a good platform to be on and people can be helpful when they want to be. <laughs> um, yeah. See, I've never, I've never used Reddit and I, it quite honestly, it kind of confuses me when I, when I just take a quick look at it. So I need to invest a little bit of time, but Twitter is one of my most difficult. It's my most challenging social media site. I cannot get a lot of traction on Twitter at all. Yet that's where I first met you when I first did your show was off of Twitter. So it's, it's not that it's not that it's not been useful for me. I find like joining that um, hashtag journal request has yeah. been absolutely phenomenal because I have found my way to so many different podcasts, so many different, like I've been in the sun, I've been able to guest blog for loads of different sites now, all kinds of different things that I've found on the hashtag journal request off of Twitter. But my engagement of the things that I post up on Twitter just it just doesn't have that high engagement rate. And then I can't, I can't seem to get past the 600 and some mark of followers on Twitter either. It's so, it's so bizarre. Interesting. Um, I think sometimes too, you've got to, they say, um, you know, the more people you follow that they also follow you back um, yes. in return. Um so that does play, um, and I, I, I live on hashtags on Twitter. I don't even look at my feed. I just go straight yeah. on, you know, I look at the hashtags because that's where I get the most value, um, you know, from, from Twitter is by, you know, following all the hashtags. And I think they call it social listening. When you focus on the things that are important to you, then you don't miss out on interesting conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's kind of been my, my thing I've been doing with Facebook as well. Like uh, Facebook, I have a, a tremendous following on there, but I have not been diligent about going through my newsfeed in months because what's important to me on Facebook is my business page and the groups that I run on Facebook. So that's, that's like the only place I go now when I go into Facebook. And so some of my, my friends from back in Canada, who that was the only way that we really kind of stayed in touch, they've messaged me from time to time to say, have you dropped off the planet? Like you put nothing on your profile on Facebook. We have no idea what's going on in your world. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, I'm super active over in my group. Why don't you go and join my group? <laughs> yes, well, they need, they, need to, they need to join your group then. Exactly. Well, it's like you can't, you can't do it all, right? You, I mean, that's what all the experts say whenever you see anything. It's, they all say, pick one social media strategy and just like, do really well at that. And the other ones, you, you know, just play along with, but don't try to, to re, you know, reinvent the wheel with everything because it's just it's so time consuming. It is, it is, it is. Um, so what are your, so you've got your Facebook page. What is the group you manage? So I manage two groups. One is very specific to survivors of abuse. That's called the life you deserve. So that's a closed group so that I can keep it a safe space so that people can share their stories. Um, but it's more of an uplifting and supportive inspirational group. I mean, people are encouraged to go ahead and speak out and, and be able to you know, use it as a platform to have their voice heard. But 
it's more than just us telling our stories. It's us telling our stories of how we are doing now and the, the actions that we take to live a fulfilled life. Um, and then the other group that I manage is called Wellness Warriors. And that is because there were a lot of people finding their way to me that were really interested in kind of building a life that they deserve, but they don't have any kind of abusive background. So it wasn't a right fit for them to be in the other group. And yeah. so I formed Wellness Warriors for it to be more of a, an overall encompassing wellness site. So each day we focus on something different, whether it's spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual, or overall wellness. Um, and so it doesn't have an abuse vibe to it at all. People are welcome to talk about anything at all. And if that happens to include uh, a specific um, you know, issue that they've dealt with, then they can, but they don't have to. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds good. Um, I think a lot of time, and especially parents, we don't pay enough attention to our health and wellness. We get yeah. inundated with all the work that we have going on. We tend to forget ourselves, especially mothers. We tend to forget ourselves and put our children first. And if we don't realize that no one is responsible for our happiness, no one is going to help us be or get us to where we need to be, then, you know, we need to start taking better care of ourselves, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm a really firm believer that, um, I mean, it's, it's been proven, so it doesn't have to be my belief, but that idea that children are always learning, you know, whether you think that they're hearing you or not, whether you think they understand you or not, whether you think they're paying attention to your actions and how you handle things and all yeah. of that type of stuff, they are, no matter how young or old they are, they are always learning from what you're modeling. And if you're modeling putting yourself last because everybody else is more important, then that's what they're going to learn that they're supposed to do when they're an adult. Right, that they're supposed to be last. They're no longer important because they are an adult. And that's not what anybody wants their kid to learn, is it? No, it's not. No. No, it's not selfish to take care of yourself at, by any stretch of the imagination. Right? Yeah, see, I feel like you've poured cold water all over me right now because, <laughs> you know, because most of the time, you know, it's like, you know what, I really need to do this, you know, but you know what, let's sort you out first and let's sort you out first. And just mm -hmm. imagining that my daughter grows up and then thinks, oh, yes, you know, when I was a baby, my mom was always putting every other person, everyone else first before herself. Yeah. That's, that's just not good at all. Yeah. And, you know, because of my, my background with the, you know, surviving the abuse and, and everything that I had to do to get right with myself after that, um, the biggest thing that I had to do was to look at my beliefs and my beliefs, as you can imagine, going through child abuse was that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough, pretty enough, you know, anything. I wasn't enough and I didn't deserve any better. And that was my, you know, that plagued all the decisions that I made, including the times when I thought I'd really like to have a hot bubble bath. My back is aching, you know, I'm screaming out for me to just go and sit in a hot bath for even just 10 minutes. Oh, but you know what? I've got to do this instead. And every single time you do that, you're teaching your unconscious mind that you don't deserve it. You don't deserve that time. You don't deserve that thing because you're not worth it. Yada, yada, yada. You just contribute to that vicious cycle, that mantra that plays in your head, whether you're aware of it or not. Every time that you make a different decision and you say, you know what, I can find 10 minutes. 
uh, it's going to be at the end of that day. I can't do it right now, but I'm going to do it at the end of my day. And then you actually find the time and take it and do it. You just taught your unconscious that you are worthy. Okay. That's what I'm taking away from today's episode. Excellent. It's a, it's a huge lesson. It's such a simple thing that we can do, but it makes such a huge impact on our unconscious minds. I mean, our belief systems, our beliefs about what we're capable of, what we deserve, the world around us and our place in it has all been formed by the time we're seven. After that, all we're doing is looking for evidence to support our belief. So if you've believed, if you've learned for some reason by the age of seven that you can't do it, right? Maybe you fell off your bike the first time that you tried and so you decided, I can't do it, I can't ride a bike. That mantra of I can't do it then sticks with you. It doesn't end up being applied to riding a bike anymore. It starts being applied to other new things that push you outside of your limit, right? And so that is what your unconscious needs to be able to get over. It needs to be able to be proven wrong, that it can do it, and that more importantly, it deserves to do it, right? Because you've built this whole script around that one little incident where you got hurt or you got let down or whatever it was that happened. And now you're making every decision that you make based on that belief, that core belief that you really have. And doing something as simple as taking 10 minutes to have a bubble bath every single time you think about doing it, incorporating it into your day is not really a difficult task to accomplish. And yet it's teaching your unconscious that it was wrong and it's okay for it to be wrong, that you do deserve these things and you can do it. You can have happiness. You can have success, whatever, just from a simple bubble bath. Yes. That sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. Let's put that on the to-do list, right? <laughs> I know. But what you I actually prefer showers to bubble baths. So. Nice. Well, and I always say, like, it doesn't matter what you're doing and it doesn't even matter how long you're doing it for that. None of that's the point at all, right? You can just take five minutes to read one chapter of a book. You don't have to read the whole book. Just read a chapter of the book. That's fine. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you've had the thought that's your unconscious mind saying, I would like some attention, please. I would like to be proven that I deserve to have this, please. And your conscious mind said, you know what? You're right. Let's do it. And you've worked together. Yes. No, that makes that makes so much sense. And I know that it's stuff that I have actually started doing myself because I woke up one day and I was like, you know what, well, you can't really be doing this. Like you love your child, but it's not, it's got to not be all about your child. So I've then started, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take baby steps. So I started, I started walking with this lady. So it was like on my local mommy group. I said to someone, you know, is anyone free to want to walk with me so that I can be held accountable? Um, and seriously, I really needed to be accountable to someone. <laughs> so, Excellent. So we're both holding each other accountable and sticking towards, you know, our walking, um, each week though she did cancel this week because she had an appointment but you know we've done two walks I mean we only do once a week but you know it's sort of like I feel more energetic and I think it's actually quite true because the more you the more you are selfish towards your needs the more you're able or better able to look after someone else exactly exactly and it's you know it's not 
it, just picking up on that word selfish, I can't help it, right? That's like a societal thing to think that it's selfish to take time for yourself. And so we've all grown up feeling that way, right? I mean, I know my mom put me way before her, right? So I grew up definitely in that household of, of my mom teaching me inadvertently that when I grow up, this is what I should do. I should put myself last. I mean, that wasn't what she was trying to teach me. She was yes. trying to teach me that I had value and worth because she was willing to put me first. Yes. And yes, I did learn that, but it's those hidden messages that you also end up getting. And, and then you grow up and have a conversation like this with somebody else and you catch yourself saying things like, it's selfish. And that's how we really feel about taking time for ourselves. And, and I would, I would, urge people to try to just say that sentence again, but try to put in a different word for there, right? It's empowering to take time for yourself. Oh, it yes, you know, I do know that. And I think a lot of time, you know, because of the way, unfortunately, society is, the, unfortunately, the way human beings, and, you know, this sort of reflects more on mothers more than anybody mm. else. It's like, you know, for instance, you know, if, a mother is going out to look after herself and do stuff is like, well, who is looking after your child? Well, well, how dare you leave your child with a babysitter, you know? Yeah. And it's all of these negative connotations towards a mother having a life of her own, right? Like, yeah. oh, well, how dare you go and have a babysitter? Somebody, why should somebody be looking after your child when you should be looking after your child? Or it's the, if a mom chooses to go to work, it's like, oh, well, aren't you being selfish leaving your child at home, you know, and not having yeah. anybody? Or then if the mother chooses to stay at home, well, aren't you being very lazy? You know, why are you not staying at home when, you know, do you get, it's like all of these yeah. things that, you know, you sort of hear, over and over and over and over again. Yeah, we live in a very judgmental society, don't we? Where uh, my husband and I were just talking about this um, ourselves in in relation to um, breastfeeding. It just we just came up. We we are not breastfeeding. We don't have a baby. <laughs> so we just happened to get into this um, conversation and. Um, and, you know, talking about the difference between breastfeeding and formula feeding and, um, and how statistically it, it's actually very rare for a mom to not produce enough milk. But at the same time, you've got stress and, and all of the hormones that are related to stress that can really mess up whether or not you can let down and have that let down reflex and, and let the milk actually flow. And yeah. so oftentimes you end up with moms that, that say, you know, well, I'm bottle feeding or formula feeding because, and they, they give their, their reasons. And their number one reason is that, you know, they weren't producing. And the reality is, is that, you know, some, somebody probably told them that that's what the, the case was. And it's actually quite rare that they weren't. Probably what was more happening is something to do with stress. And maybe some of that stress came from all this conflicting advice that was going on. Yeah. Right? People telling them, oh, you, you've got to breastfeed. Oh, you're doing such a dirt service if you don't. Oh, well, you can't breastfeed because it's obviously not getting enough food. You're killing your baby. Oh, well, if you, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's not stressful at all, right? I can't imagine why she's not able to actually breastfeed. It's like just take a check of yourself people like is it really that important that your opinion gets heard for the, this poor person that's struggling to make it on their own would it not be a little bit better to just give them a little bit of support <laughs> you know very interesting to me 
Oh, it is. It is. You know, and I think that's why, you know, people then or women sort of a lot of the time. And I say women, not because I don't think men have their own problems, but because I'm a woman, I'm female and I can only talk about things from my perspective. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I do, I do know the, the, you know, the problem. So, but yes, you know, it definitely does. And I'm really sort of, you know, happy to hear that, you know, you're trying to do all these other things to support other women. And I hope that, and I think, you know, I was having a conversation with someone recently and I said, because more people are speaking out, more people are offering support, more people are saying, you know what, all the things that we went through, they were not acceptable and we're not going to accept it. And that's why we're seeing a change in our society. It might not make too much of a difference to our lives today, but hopefully by the time my daughter becomes an adult, we would see more change. That's right. That's right. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, change at that kind of level takes time. And, um, and, you know, we're from that generation that just grew up used to having to watch what we wear and watch how late we were out at night and what, you know, have our keys poised in our hands to fight back in case somebody, you know, attacks us on the street and all these types of, of things that were just the norm. Nobody, we didn't think that there was anything wrong with that at the time because that was just normal, as weird and outrageous as that sounds. And yes, on one level, you always want to make sure that your kids are being smart and safe and, you know, that they're, they're watching themselves. But at the same time, we're now able to teach kids that, you know, you should be able to wear whatever you want to wear and express yourself the way that you want to express yourself. Things like rape aren't about the clothes you're wearing. It's about the person raping you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need to teach our boys not to rape, not our girls to not wear a dress. <laughs> yes. you, know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I think we're making great progress with that. And, um, and you're right. We're just, we're not going to see it in our generation. We, we might hopefully see it in our kids' generation and hopefully where we will really see the biggest changes in our grandkids' generation when Think- that really is the absolute norm. Yes. Yes. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, cool. So what five tips, you know, would you like someone who's listening to you today to take away from everything we've talked about? Oh, wow. That is deep. Five <laughs> tips. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, tip one, number one, we might as well talk about that self-care that we've just talked about, right? Yeah. Self-care is not selfish and it's not just about taking time to do something you like. It's actually about showing yourself, giving yourself the evidence for you to believe that you deserve to have that time, that you deserve to be happy You deserve to have that warm, fuzzy feeling, whatever doing that thing gives to you, that you deserve that. Um, Second tip I would say is that things don't have to be as complicated as we try to make them out to be, right? If we look at the self-care issue, in the moment that you think about, oh, I would love to, you know, end my day with reading my a chapter from the book that I've been reading that doesn't mean you have to stop right then in that second and do that but build it into your day right it doesn't have to be very complicated if you get into a routine of just sitting down and saying okay this is something important and I would like to do it so I'm going to schedule it Mm. number three I would say is um, that you make time for the things that are important to you 
-hmm. If your kid got hurt, you would make the time to take them to emergency or take them to the walk-in clinic or take them to the doctor. And if they had to go back every single day for a week, for whatever reason, you'd find the time for that, right? They're important. If your car broke down, you would find the time to get that in and get that fixed, right? And in fact, Mm -hmm. we oftentimes find the time to bring our car in for regular maintenance so that it doesn't break down and we're not in that case. So you find the time for things that are important. It's time for you to put yourself on that list, right? You are just as important. And this kind of all feeds back into the self-care, but finding time for important things and you being one of them really does start to challenge the belief that you have that you don't deserve any better. And that would be my fourth one is that every single decision that you make, every action that you take, every behavior that you have is down to your deep rooted beliefs about yourself, your capabilities, the world and your place in it. And until you are able to recognize what those beliefs are, you won't make any changes. And the fifth part is that the change is completely possible because once you figure out what the belief is, it is completely possible to adapt that belief and actually put it to bed and replace it with a more self-serving belief, something that's positive, something that will propel you forward to build a life on your own terms. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good. Thank you so much. And if someone wants to connect with you, um, how can they do that? easiest way is through my website which is life like you mean it.com okay fabulous and does that have all your social media links absolutely okay so life like you mean it.com yes perfect well it's really um it's been a pleasure chatting with you and i feel i've had some personal takeaways that you know i will definitely be utilized in more you know in my life as well and i hope you know the people who have listened to today's episode will feel the same way or at least have at least one thing that they've taken um away for free um you know from listening to you so it's been definitely been an enjoyable episode but i've come to that time of the day when i have to kick you out (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much for having me on again it's been a real pleasure Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, this is the Shekewala Salami Show. If you've not done so, or if this is your first time tuning in, please do subscribe to the show, leave a review, leave a comment, and tell everyone in your network about it. Um, And catch you again next week on the Shekewala Salami Show. Bye now.